We're in our Better Together series. This is the third installment in that. And we're talking about this, growing communities of disciples who love Jesus. This is our uh, push uh, this year and in this season, that we want to be growing communities of disciples who love Jesus. The premise here being we can be, we can be together and not get better. That's possible. Um, but we can't be better unless we're together, unless we're believers, disciples who are um, sharpening each other, committed to each other in relationship, focused on Jesus together and helping each other in this journey of getting to know God. So as part of that mix, we have these um, emphases. We want, to, we want to focus on Jesus. Pete talked about that last week here. Rapid inclusion, we're talking about today. Committed relationships and honouring the faith journey that all of us are on um, from wherever we are. This week, rapid inclusion. Galatians 3, we're in. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn them on or open them up. Um, We're in Galatians 3 and 4. It's a letter that Paul wrote um, to a fledgling church, a new church in uh, Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, in the province, in that province, uh, to... Um, this in the region, the Galatian region. Uh, it's a, a letter to a specific church about specific issues that they were having there. It's one of the earliest documents for the New Testament. Um, and he's talking to, so this fledgling community has got um, Jews, people who've been in the, uh, who is Israelites, who've been in the Jewish system, the religious system, who have discovered faith in Christ, plus this new, uh, these new people that have come into that into what they called the way then, which is the Jesus-following community, who were not from the Jewish space. They were just referred to as Gentiles, which just means everyone who's not a Jew. And so they'd come in and also discovered um, freedom in Christ. And Paul's writing to both groups of people um, in this region. Uh, he t- he's, in this passage, he's talking particularly or uh, more to those who were Jews, those who had grown up with Jewish customs and they valued you know, uh, the religious rites, the, the purification laws, the eating the right foods. There's some things they always did and some things they would never do. They associated their faith or their religion or their purity with habits and lifestyle and rules. It was unthinkable that someone who broke any of those things could possibly be in the community of faith. Someone uncircumcised, how could they be in the community of faith? Someone who ate pork, how could they be in the community of faith? Um, someone who'd been married twice, someone who'd never observed the festivals or someone who ignored the purity laws. It was just, um, like we look at that now and we think, well, of course, but for them it was just unthinkable because faith was these habits and lifestyles and festivals and rituals. So um, Paul's talking to them about that. He says this, Galatians 3. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. Then we jump to chapter 4. Paul's still talking to the Jews. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, 
Those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. You like this analogy? Like the law was like having a guardian until you could get old enough to get your inheritance. Well, we're not first century Jews, but some of us were taught that faith was about rules, about following certain customs, about rituals, about things that you do and don't do. You know, the do's and don'ts. Uh, And I don't know if you've done this. I've frequently done this in my life. I look at somebody outside the system that I knew, the faith system that I knew, and I think, how can they possibly be a Christian because of the things they do and don't do? Um, uh, Brett's one of my mates. Um, He's on the video there. We catch up a fair bit. His tattoos predate his salvation, but I just love that he's got them, right? But I know plenty of people who are inked up because of their salvation. There's a spin from when I grew up where only the pagans and, you know, criminals and bikies had tattoos. No one in the church had tattoos. It was unthinkable. When I grew up, the women weren't even allowed to wear makeup. Um, I don't know what your rituals were like, whether you've experienced the exclusion of others because of what they eat or drink or smoke or because of how they speak or what they wear or what their skin colour is or what their ethnic background or language is. That kind of, they don't belong in the faith because of what they do and don't do, because of what they say. And don't say. Well, sometimes uh, this dynamic, I don't know if you've um, done this, where you go, like, I'm really glad that that person could follow Jesus, you know, but I'm really glad they're doing it over there. <laughs> like, yeah, they could belong with Jesus, but not with me. <laughs> they're good enough for Jesus, but they're not good enough for me. You know, and our religious systems are not even holy. At least the Jews had a legitimate claim on theirs, right? God said, do this. Here's your ritual. This is the way that will hold you in this faith until your inheritance comes, until Christ comes. They had a reason for their rituals and systems. They had a reason for valuing those things. We don't because our systems are not even sanctioned in that way. Yeah. All of that is just a holding pattern to protect their inheritance. What is their inheritance? To be children of God. To be children of God. To be in living, ongoing, dynamic 
connection, relationship with the living God. If you grew up in the church, you will have experienced systems. Uh, Most good, some of them not so good. Uh, Many of us have found comfort and identity in the religious systems we've known and they're helpful, they're necessary. I'm not knocking the systems, we have to live in systems, otherwise we go crazy. Like We need forms and habits and rituals, they're helpful to us. They're guardians for us until we receive our inheritance and even beyond that (laughs) because we just still need like this, like turning up every Sunday. It's a habit, it's a ritual, it's a form and we do the the same things every Sunday because that brings comfort to our souls to sit in the same spaces Um, but it's not the answer. It's a placeholder, it's a guardian so that we achieve our inheritance which is dynamic personal relationship with God. I think it's helpful for us to view our church upbringing in the light of Galatians 3 and 4. Our systems weren't given by God, but they are still valued as guardians. So we're grateful. I'm so grateful that my parents took me to church. I'm grateful that we said grace before every meal. I'm grateful that we sat down and prayed um, you know, each night before bed. I'm grateful that my dad, you know, um, insisted on pointing out that God was in every natural environment everywhere. Um, even like stopping the car when we're in a hurry to get somewhere to get out and show us a particular cloud formation and what it said about God. I'm grateful for the things that were in my life when I grew up, but they were not the thing. They were placeholders. They were guardians so that I could know Jesus Christ, so that I could be in relationship with the living God. That's our inheritance. We're children of God. And now that we're children of God, the system we came from has done its job, Paul says. It has no further use to us. Not that it's not useful, but it's not, you know, we've, we, we don't value it anymore. We don't need it as a, as a you know, a, it's not our identity and it's not, it's not where we get our comfort or our peace or our, you know, like we're grateful, but it's not the thing that we worship because we've achieved our inheritance, which is we're in relationship for ourselves with the living God. In Galatia, the Jews aren't the only audience. There are Gentiles there too, people from outside the Jewish system who've become followers of Jesus. Their upbringing was very different. They were raised with different values. The range of things they instinctively valued was very different to what those in the religious system valued. They, they might have been hearing this letter from Paul going, yeah, you lot, drop your kind of, like just relax about what used to happen because we're all free in Jesus now. But Paul turns his attention to them and he says this, before, this is chapter 4, verse 8, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to the so-called gods that don't even exist. So now that you know God or Should I say, Paul says, now that God knows you, there's a world of theology in that space. Why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? People from outside the church had discovered Jesus, forgiveness, joy, inclusion, grace, love, peace with God, 
but they still feel the pull of all the things they valued before, the gods of this world, um, gods that don't even exist, um, Paul says, meaning, I mean, the gods in our head, that is, the things that we value more than God, the things that we chase, the things that we want, the things that we push after, the things that we think will satisfy us. Paul says they don't even exist, meaning they don't have the power to satisfy us. No desire, no human desire like that is ever fully or finally satisfied. At the end of that is emptiness. Um, Jim Carrey, Arj Barker, both those guys, uh, comedians, intelligent men, have both said similar things on this theme. Which, And it's funny, they stand in for a room of people and they say, I wish everybody could be rich and famous. Because then they would realise it's not what they're looking for. And everyone goes, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> but we all chase it. Uh, these gods, they don't exist. Uh, Paul says. So, now that you know God, rather, now that God knows you, like, this dynamic, who's experienced this? I chose God, then I figured out, oh, God chose me a long time ago. I love God, but then I find myself already loved. I pursue God with all that I have, but I find that he's been running hard after me since before I even tried. Like, now that you know God, or rather, God knows you. And you realise that you are just under this grace that was nothing to do with you and all just God that you're discovering. Why? Why are you chasing money again? Why does that promotion matter so much to you? Why do you feel a need to define your own identity by yourself or just within your tribe? Why are you looking to alcohol or substances for relief or satisfaction? Why do you retreat into your secret sexual fantasies? Those things don't satisfy. They're weak and useless. You know God now. You know God now. Rather, he knows you. We're children of God, Paul says. Don't go back. Um, so you Jews, you religious people, you value your rituals and you don't go back. You're children of God. You people who've come in to know Jesus from outside the church, you've valued all these other things. Don't go back because you know God. You're children of God. For your, this is what Paul says to all of them. For, uh, Galatians 3.26 For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. That's not like the because you got dunked in the water. He's talking about um, your life is in Christ. Yeah. Like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. Now, doesn't mean that if you were a Jew, you cease to be a Jew. It just means it doesn't matter that you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't mean that if you were a male, you cease to be a male either. It just means that it doesn't matter compared to being a female. It just doesn't matter because you're one in Christ Jesus. 
And now that you belong to Christ, you're the true children of Abraham. You're his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. He doesn't define that here. But the promise to Abraham is talking about um, Genesis 12. You can look at this where God makes an unconditional promise to Abraham. That is a one-sided, unilateral, I will do this. It's not dependent on your behavior, Abraham. It's not dependent on anything that anyone does. It's just my promise to you and the generations that follow you and your seed, which ultimately climaxes in Jesus Christ and in the kingdom of God where Jesus rules and reigns. Here is the promise. I will bless you and all the nations on earth will be blessed through you. And nothing can stop that happening. And that belongs to you because your children of God. And because we're his children, chapter 4, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're his child, God's made you his heir. Um, you've probably heard this before, Abba, Father. It's like an intimate term for a parent. It's not about gender. God is not male. Um, he's revealed to us as father. It's about relationship. And you shouldn't go and say, dear mother or whatever, because that's not what we're told to do. Um, but we need to understand God is parent. A mother's love is God's love. God is, is both genders and more. He is beyond our understanding. Um, don't freak out about that. It's so important that we understand that when we go, Abba, Father... We're not just talking to our dad, like our earthly dad. We're not talking to a bloke. Imagine if we were only ever talking to a bloke. We're talking to someone who knows and nurtures like a mum can. We're talking to someone who created that kind of love and nurture. We're talking to, to a parent um, who knows intimately who we are. Jesus taught us to say, Abba, Father. Paul's going, do this. Like, this is, the, this is the God that we relate to. Sometimes we think God is so distant. We look up and we think, we're even there, like behind those clouds. I can't even, I feel like my prayers aren't even hitting the ceiling because I'm not sort of, because God feels up there. And sometimes Jesus is just this historical figure or maybe in our heads, just maybe someone cool or someone that we're grateful for but happened over there a long time ago or whatever like that. But here we're taught... It's all God, right? It's the same one God. But here we're taught this is how you should approach God. This is how God wants you to know him. This is how he knows you and this is how he wants you to know him. Say this, like whatever endearing term that means for you, my beautiful, intimate parent who just loves me. They just love me because they love me. They just love me before I was even born. They just want the best for you. They just care so, so much about you. Not distant, but here, beside me, here, behind me, in front of me, inside me. Like Abba, Father, it's so intimate and so beautiful. God is here with us. He knows every thought every desire. He, not only does he understand the deepest need of my heart, he has the power to deliver on it. And he's here. This is our inheritance, eternal life, eternal relationship 
with Abba Father. This is the inheritance of those long religious who've been safeguarded in systems that help them find relationship with God. This is the inheritance of those who've come in from the outside who are learning to let go of what we used to want because now we've found our inheritance. We're children of God. This is rapid inclusion. This is the basis of our inclusion. Everyone is invited to come home to God. Inclusion isn't that we welcome all opinions. Because the whole point is that we're learning to let go of our attachment to our opinions as we learn who we are in Christ. Inclusion isn't receiving validation from my worldview or my orientation or my doctrine. There's only one view that will satisfy our souls and it's not ours. There's only one view that will satisfy your soul and it's not yours. It's our Father, it's Abba Father who made us, who loves us. Inclusion is all of us from every age and skin tone and worldview, all of us coming together with all of our brokenness, our nuance, our pain, our insecurities, our doubts, and God offering us this. You can come home to me, my children. I know you, I know you, I love you. You can know me. Come home, come as you are. That's our God. Um, That's inclusion. And in my life, I have excluded others more often than I even admit to myself. Uh, You probably have too. I've judged outsiders. At the start of the Alpha course, um, because people, they're not sure if they're allowed to say the things that they actually think. So we try and get into, uh, just tell us what you're thinking. And so often one of the questions that we throw into that space is, what's the worst thing about Christians? (laughs) Like, where have you really struggled with people who say they follow Jesus and stuff? Do you know what the most common answer is? We're judgmental. I just feel judged. Or I expect to. If I go there, I'll feel judged. They'll judge me. And I have contributed to that. Sorry, Abba. not just outsiders either we pick on each other too (laughs) oh how many times have I criticized other churches other Christians Um, people in my own space just different styles of doing stuff or whatever Mm. we worry sometimes that if we welcome someone who thinks differently than us we'll be corrupted or the message will be watered down but Here's an insight that will help you, helps me. We're not in control of the message. God looks after himself. Like, he's the one who knows. And he's the only one who's allowed to judge. Um, One, because he knows, so he can actually read the desires and the motives of people's heart. And, And the other is because he's perfect. And so he's got the right to assess our motives. We don't want to judge. We just want to offer inclusion to everyone. Come and meet Jesus. Come and be reconciled to God. Come home and get to know God like he's always known you. You can come, you can be here, you can be included. Inclusion doesn't water down the truth. It just lets more people see it. We will not compromise on Jesus. 
Jesus Christ is our life. His way is our way. His truth is our truth. And we go to him. We all go to him from wherever we are. Uh, sometimes people do half an alpha course or the whole course. They might, sometimes they drop out. Sometimes they see it all the way through, but they don't want it. And they, uh, often I'll hear people say to me, um, uh, thanks for that. That was a really uh, interesting experience. It's not really like I've, it's not my kind of gig, the whole Jesus thing. And I think in my head, maybe not yet, but because I'm optimistic. Um, but it's not my thing. But they say, but thank you because I really enjoyed the group. I really felt like people wanted me there and I was welcomed and I felt like I haven't felt that kind of um, inclusion before. And I think, isn't that a better story? Um, sometimes they don't walk away. Sometimes they soak in that kind of inclusion and that love and that um, you can be here and ask your questions and do your journey and we'll just love you. Um, we're all after Jesus, but we'll just love you. And then they come to faith in Christ and it's beautiful. So Jesus said, they'll know that you're my disciples because of the way you love. He, actually, he said, you're behaving like true children of my father when you love your enemies. Yep. Now, rapid inclusion. I'm going to put a caveat here. I know that there are constraints on our time. And, some, and also I know this. Sometimes it's not wise to put that person and that person together. Right. Uh, I know that. Um, and we do a bit of that, just being careful around the space as well. And I do it in my own life too. I don't think I'll be good for you or you'll be good for me. I do those kind of boundaries. I just want to speak to our heart in this space, right? Because that ought not be an excuse. That only works when it's love, when it's actually selfless for the sake of the other. Um, and in eternity, forever, everyone you know who follows Jesus, you'll be... You'll be connected. You'll be friends. You'll be doing life together. You'll be going, wow, we know God. We know each other and this is awesome. And what are you good at? And what am I good at? And what do you think? And what do I think? That's going to be happening all over the place in heaven forever. So let's just get started, right? And here's the other thing. If somebody's very different than you, if they think differently, if their ways are different, if their views are different, if their worldview is different, if their identity is different, any of those things, you can think, oh, that's going to be scary and that might kind of corrupt my whatever, or you can think that person's also walking towards Jesus, so how much have I got to learn about Jesus through them like way more than if I just hang around with people who agree with me? Am I selling this? <laughs> so if you get the chance to include someone who's very different from you, if you feel God prompt you towards them, then just do it. Um, just do it. Let's... Let's do it. Let's focus on Jesus with all we are. Let's invite others and offer inclusion to all as we go after a relationship with the one and only living God together. Amen? Yeah. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, uh, we, want, we want what you want for us. And in the spaces where we don't really want what you want for us, please help us to want what you want for us. We believe that this will satisfy our souls. We believe that all the deepest needs of our hearts will be met when we trust you and obey you and follow you. Um, so God, help us to step out in faith. Help us to be brave. 
Help us even when we feel insecure. Help us to just offer this because you ask us to offer this. To invite others, to include others, to encourage others towards you. In Jesus' name, amen.